Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the one and only show on the internet where we actually dare to talk about pop culture, dragons, space lasers, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, video games, you know, Star Wars, Marvel, such things as this. I am Dan Selke, the editor of WinterIsComing.net, here with Mia Johnson, editor of DorkSideOfTheForce.com. And of course, all of you are here watching us like Julie Davies. Hey, Julie, good to see you in the comments section. Keep the comments flowing. We have a lively discussion. And Mia, how are you doing on this blessed summer's day it's summer now right <laughs> technically no not until the 21st but i never understood that i just like figure when it's hot it's summertime and when it's cold it's wintertime and in between times it's just i don't know spring or exactly. fall they're kind of interchangeable yeah yeah i'm doing good yeah it's feeling like summertime i'm happy um sun is out longer during the day so it's it's my time of year my birthday is next week i think I'm, like this month has been moving by so fast yeah, my birthday, what is today, 16th? I don't know. I, I'm looking at the calendar. Yeah, my birthday is next Thursday. <laughs> when, when, what What? day is your birthday? <laughs> the 24th, so it's next okay. Thursday. Oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Well, glad to have you here this, Mia. And this week, of course, as always, we're going to go through the haps, if you will, in the worlds of fantasy, sci-fi, books, movies, TV, pop culture, all that jazz. Um, starting with, you know, Mia, on this show, we talk a lot about movies and television, but in a way we are living in the past because movies and TV in terms of like the money they generate for their creators are sort of, if not dwarfed, then, um, you know, seriously challenged by the weight of video games, the, mm-hmm. the, the, this, this, the new hot fad. You play on the things and you push the buttons and the guys move around the screen. It's very, very cool wow. and hip and with it. Um, and there, there's bleed over too. Like, for example, George R. R. Martin, noted writer of A Song of Ice and Fire, creator of Game of Thrones, the show for which brought us all here together, isn't just using his talents to write books. He's also, contributed writing to a very hot new video game called Elden Ring being currently shown at E3, the biggest video game trade show of the year. And for a bunch, a couple of reasons, I thought we would just watch the trailer for it. You know, questions to uh, discuss in your head. Um, Are we mad that George R. R. Martin is doing this and not um, (laughs) writing the ones of winter? Does this look something he would have written? And, um, is culture doomed to be um, swallowed by video games entire <laughs> in our lifetimes? 
Let's just watch this uh, trailer for this Xbox PlayStation from Software original video game and see if any thoughts arise. Yeah. And so we'll be able to give got... you them in real time. Ooh, there we go. Yeah. So, okay. So, George R. R. Martin, a Slum Fire creator um, from Software. Are you familiar with, me, uh, with From Software at all? And video games I... like Dark Souls and Bloodborne and Sekiro Sekiro's Die Twice? Yeah, I did know. I know Bloodborne. I know that's really, really. I think. That one and Dark Souls, they said, are kind of like really difficult games. Not my cup of tea as far oh, as gaming Famously goes. difficult, yeah. <laughs> but um, I have heard of them, so it kind of gives me a feel for like... You so know, right here, a new yeah. world created by <laughs> Pirataka Miyazaki and George R. R. Martin. Very specific language, by the way, because, you know, it, it doesn't say like written by or anything. Although it, it's... Oh, they're, they're, so what he did from what I gather is, it's kind of interesting. Like, George R. R. Martin created the lore for this you know pretty clearly like medieval-y action-y game which is 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 sort of on his wavelength mm-hmm. where he like made the mythology and the history that underpins this world full of horses and knights and woods and monsters and castles which i mean it totally does look like sort of a game of thrones game looking at yeah. it just like from the Oscars right now um sure giant tree monsters um but he didn't do any writing so I, I, I guess the thing I want to say is before people get out in front of this and say, you know, <laughs> how could he do this? How could he do this and not be writing the Winds of Winter and give me what I want? Um, he didn't like, you know, pen the script or anything. Okay. Like, frankly, he could have done anything from contributed like one idea to written like a whole lore <laughs> Bible about it. We're not sure. The point, like he's big enough though that they want his name on the thing, right? Yeah. Like they want his yeah. name to sell this completely other medium. I'm sure George R. R. Martin, like me, wouldn't know the first thing about like writing a line of code, but um, <laughs> you know he, he's influential enough that they want his name on something like this cutting edge, very yeah. popular, very hard. The dragon breathing fire couldn't get any uh, closer to it. Maybe he thought about the dragon. He didn't though. The dragon's other the guys that I made. So yeah. what do you think of that? What do you think about? Um, the sway that George R. R. Martin holds even outside <laughs> of his uh, chosen medium. Yeah, I was thinking back. I'm like, this is one of the few if only instances I can think where you have like a prophilic writer of, you know, a huge genre like this contributing mm-hmm. to a video game. Um, usually now, we're seeing now with the video game thing, it's kind of like the reverse where in a way, you know, we're having these video games and then they get adapted by someone bigger, like, you know, Last of Us. It's got the Chernobyl person yeah, behind HBO. it. Oh. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of like, I think, realizing the strength that video games have. And what an interesting trailer that was, by the way. What? <laughs> Let's see. Where's That's my good. Dan cam? I got to switch back to you. There you are. Um, yeah, so it's... I think it is an interesting move to bring him on. I mean, I definitely, even if I consulted him for a thought, yeah, I would want to have George R. R. Martin's name on it. But I do get, I think, you know, the reaction might be a little overblown, you know, and to think like, oh, you know, you took all your time to work on this video game. Like you said, he's not in the dungeon coding or anything like that, you know, hacking away at the lines and Maybe, you know, maybe this was his side passion project, but um, as we kind of said in the comments, you know, maybe he's just good at (laughs) multitasking and maybe he still is working on the winds of winter. 
<laughs> it's so like him to to just like want to do the lore because sometimes I think he's more interested in that than he's telling a story. Like mm. the House of the Dragon, the upcoming Game of Thrones prequel series. Like that's based on fire and blood. I'm holding it. Like imagine I'm holding it. I have a copy. I didn't bring it with me. Oh yes. Um, which is a uh, I've heard it before like a fake history book about 300 years of Westerosi history where Tar- just what Targaryens were doing. Like, it's not a story. It's basically, like, just unfiltered mythology and lore and, like, background. Like, he just, he loves that stuff. I, I-, I think he kind of loves it almost more than, like, you know, the scene to scene, here's what happens to these characters. He just wants yeah. to make lore. And, you know, with video games and with books, I mean, there is a market for that now. I mean, with something like the like the MCU, they want someone to keep all that straight. Mm-hmm. Like there you can hire consultants now whose job it is to just know the background of this stuff. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Like um people who are hired out at Marvel or Star Wars whose jobs are just I read all the books and the comics mm-hmm. and you can ask me if this like lapel pin is in the right side or not and I'll know. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, with this though, it's inter- It's because he is kind of building that all up from scratch to begin with. But I get, I do get what you're saying with that. Um, so yeah, maybe that's his. Maybe we found kind of not what makes him tick, but you know what he really wants to do. So is it like he has all these big <laughs> ideas about Game of Thrones in his head? And if he had it his way, he would just be writing a history book about, you know, this is what happened to Daenerys and, you know, she became the Mad Queen and da da da. Instead of like actually having to think of the scenario. And I will say as a creative writer, that side of my brain, I have had these ideas recently where it's like, oh, this would be an interesting premise. And then this can kind of happen. That can happen. But then you're also like, oh, but wait, I have to have characters say things to set it up. And I have to create the <laughs> scenes and I have to create all the dialogue and stuff like that. So that might be what's going on here if we're diagnosing him with whatever, you know, he has going on with his procrastination. <laughs> It is like a different creative muscle, you're right, to like kind mm-hmm. of think about. Because I, I write too. Everyone who's involved in Sinistry writes on the side and wants to be a writer. Um, kind of just the the thinking of like the overarching thing versus like the minute-to-minute scene stuff. Yeah. Um, I think like in, in fantasy especially, like whether it's Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or a lot of this stuff, that there can be like a lore problem where it's like if you wanted to just tell us about the last thousand years of your history... <laughs> And why even bother writing a book about this character? Just like, yeah. and just like a song of ice and fire got kind of wrapped up in that in the last two books. The King Killer Chronicles are very part, a very big uh, book trilogy that kind of just slowed down to a slog because he just couldn't resist describing every like the history <laughs> of this town and this rock. Like it's something that just kind of calls out to I think fantasy authors especially. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a fetishization. Um and. It's important to know what's draw the line. Anyway, the game, though, I probably won't play it because I don't have time and it's too hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't imagine me playing that or even watching someone play it because I do. You know, we talk about it, watch a lot of Let's Plays. His games are this quite one, beloved, though, that that that. Uh, yeah. That developer. Yeah. So I'm, oh, I yeah. am excited to kind of see, you know, what kind of reaction this is going to have from like, you know, real gamers, not me. <laughs> anyway, um. Moving beyond that, and yes, yeah. Julie, well, we're, um, I I think we'll see a release. He's had a next lot of side year. casts over the years. I still I think it's think coming. We'll I, you know, I, I, 
You know, I recently <laughs> found like an, an old video from like 2013 of George R. R. Martin. Like at like a he's at like a, a show and there's like a musical duo singing a song about how we should write faster. And he comes out on stage and smashes the guitar like Jimi Hendrix. It's kind of like a stage little little oh. sketch. And that was like eight years ago. <laughs> so just only imagine like the how that that uh, energy has sort of transmuted in, yeah. in, in, in the time since. Oh, anyway, Mia, um, there are other things going on in the fantasy, sci-fi, pop culture space. We're getting a little, we're getting a new Lord of the Rings movie. You hear about this? It's kind I of guess. interesting. So we're getting this Lord of the Rings animated movie, The War of the Rohirrim, but it's an animated movie that is made by New Line Cinema, not by Amazon, which who are making the show. Yeah. So it's so interesting to me, and it's about, um, I believe, the guy for whom Helm's Deep is named the big giant battle in the second Two Towers movie, Battle of Helm's Deep, where they all get in there. It's the big famous <laughs> battle where... Okay, I, I'm sure. <laughs> sure, okay, yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, an animated Lord of the Rings epic, and I do find it interesting that it's coming from Newland Cinema, not Amazon. Do you think mm-hmm. they're, like, taking advantage of the new resurgence in Lord of the Rings chatter to draw attention back to this world? Yeah, I would say I'm I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> the reason. I mean, it's like, why not? If someone is coming up with an idea, you know, how can I kind of <laughs> ride on that wave as well? Um, it does make me wonder, okay, what is going to be the caliber of this movie? Like, how... S- I feel bad saying, like, how serious should we take this movie? But, you know, is it something um, that's really gonna, like, be like, oh, yeah, you know, because it's animated. And sometimes it's hard for people to, you know, accept animation as, you know, a legitimate piece of work. So sometimes you're like, you know, with the Clone Wars debate or the Bad Batch, you're like, oh, yeah, this is really, really awesome. Everyone should watch it. Or you're like, oh, it's animated, but it's kind of for kids. It's, you know, it's nothing, it's whatever. So I'm interested to see how those, between the live action and the animated movie, how those will compare. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> animation is something, like, I would argue that uh, for, like, the Bad Batch, it's not because it's, it's kind of, don't they kind of gear it to kids? Right, yeah. And so that's like, why they I'm don't have like, to. Like, they're making the choice a little bit. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. There, there are animated things that aren't geared mm-hmm. that way. It's just, it's almost like the producers are buying uh, the line on animation. <laughs> yeah. So, did they, I guess this was just announced. You don't really know, like, if this is going to lean more towards the adult or kind of like in the middle. I mean, like, personally, as you know, we both watch animation, so I have no stigma yeah. against it. It's just kind of, you know, like, the broader perception of it. Like, how are people going to react to this versus, say, the live-action movie? And, you know, will one be more popular than the other? Well, I'm assuming a live-action will be more popular. <laughs> well, we don't know. I mean, it's yeah. on Amazon Prime Video. It's like, like last week, we talked to um, the gentleman from uh, the Lord of the Rings podcast, mm-hmm. and it's been a while since uh, a lord of the rings that since it's, it's since it's been in the conversation in a big way right yeah like the original trilogy movie trilogy was hugely influential and hugely popular and very exciting especially if you were a certain age at the time which i was and then the hobbit movies came out and they were not as impactful that's what happens when the movie sucks and <laughs> now we're kind of getting an upswing again in talk about it um and this does feel like an attempt to me 
to sort of have something out there in light of the fact that they're making a big live action series and like, well, yeah. we own the movie rights. Let's try something too. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. So they have the rights to the movies. So the movie yeah, rights. I can, yeah. I can see why they would want to do that and just kind of bring it up again. So it'd be through New Line Cinema. So what that also, I thought Warner Brothers was be, or I'm like completely I, forgetting who's like, I don't completely who's owning know who now. <laughs> all the Pacifics. Okay. But I believe it is New Line and Warner Brothers are like kind of a joint okay. little thing going at it. Interesting. Yeah. And then like if that's going to be an HBO Max property, then that's kind Ooh. of because I thought originally I thought this was going to kind of be like a partnership between Amazon Studios and with this movie. So it can kind of be like, hey, we have the live action series, but we also have the movie. Is it kind of like compliment or a thing on the side yeah moving <laughs> all of the moving pieces that we have going on um but yeah this is also interesting it's kind of like when you have i don't know maybe multiple sherlock holmes things going on or something like hmm. that like oh we've got sherlock so now let's do the cbs or we've got you know the the um what's the guys you know the iron man robert downey jr one so right could be something like that where you know it's your rights hop on and start seeing you know if you can go off the popularity and of course god bless sherlock i mean that one's that one's public domain right like can't anybody am i wrong about that like can anybody just like i'm gonna make a sherlock tv show um yeah, starring danny devito years. and just like do it <laughs> i mean yeah we could we could do that it's been a hundred years so it's, if he's interested it's all yeah. in the public domain or certain certain stories are in the public domain it has to i think some other ones have not yeah. or depending on whenever they came out it's but, complicated that's good yeah. wick, that's a good wick club talk because it, it is yeah. like it, 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 it is insane did you know this really really fast sidebar because i find it interesting like copyright law it's supposed it would originally ended a lot sooner but like lobbyists on behalf of entertainment like let's say disney basically got it extended to like like a hundred plus years where like they only contemplated it being like you know a few like until Mm -hmm. the life of the person ends but you know of course disney being maniacal evil overlords trying to subsume all of culture uh wanted everything to be with them forever so they kind of leaned on um congressperson sonny bono at the time oh. in the 70s <laughs> back then or was it the 80s i don't know i don't know what it was a congressperson to get it uh extended so interesting story another time but copyright law is nonsense and we need to get rid of it and stop disney <laughs> as julie says don't like animated stuff but i'm not sure what it is about it i don't like as per real people i understand it yeah um it is just different. I don't know. I guess I grew up with animation, so I'm I, I I can there are things I can I can switch back and forth without too much trouble. I've always mm-hmm. found things to like in animation and things to like in live action stuff, and there's just it's a whole other world. There's a whole other kind of a block of stuff to explore and because animation has all its own little quirks and its own like yeah. subgenres and things to be interested in that just you don't get at all in live action. Yeah. But yeah, That's... um there, there there is a bit of a, a hurdle. Yeah, we'll see. And it, it it is interesting to see how we're kind of playing with animation, like with this Lord of the Rings, with, right, like the Game of Thrones anime. Oh, I, yeah, every yeah, time yeah, I say coming. that, it feels fake. But, like, there's also going to be a Star Wars anime. Yeah, there's going to be a Star Wars anime coming out. And they had, like, this literally, they just announced that there's going to be, like, a preview of it 
on like July 3rd at the Anime Expo. So it's like, hmm. again, you know, it, it is a viable, you know, it's a, a nice medium. Again, I think it is kind of just based on preference because you, I still feel like there's kind of this warm up with some people where it is like, oh, I would prefer live action or, you know, I kind of associate cartoons with children. And I mean, we have like, almost a hundred years of cart a hundred years of Mickey yeah. Mouse almost to back that up. <laughs> so Is it really that? Yeah, how old is Mickey Mouse? It's almost it's almost a hundred years. And I think they like you were saying, they're changing things so that no one, you know, touches the mouth. Ma- I'm wearing oh, it a, would be so satisfying shirt, if Mickey way. went into the public domain <laughs> and people just produce all the Mickey porn they could to make Disney so nah. angry. <laughs> yeah, not not gonna happen anytime soon what with their lawyers, but uh, speaking of Star Wars, anything happening there? In yes, that galaxy? yes, yes. So a couple of days ago, just recently, um, well, yeah, recently they have been doing filming for the Obi Wan Kenobi series, which is really, really cool um, because it's Ian McGregor is back. He's reprising his role, and Reprise. he's been talking about it. I swear, Mike, I had a choir teacher who said, you have to say it like that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so really? that's how I've been saying it. Yeah. He's like, it's Ugh. reprise, not reprise. I object to I that. Like, Your choir teacher is pretentious. <laughs> he He's actually a bad character. So maybe I should stop saying it like that. There's always that one <laughs> bag egg at the school. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So the Obi-Wan Kenobi series is officially filming and we finally have some set photos. Um, set leaks, not official. They are leaks. So, but these are little tasty morsels. Um, so yeah, the first one is Ian McGregor, who we see him spotted here. Now he is wearing, they have to wear like these, you know, robes to cover up their outfits. Um, you know, he's got a nice little book. His so, like- glasses <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what i love about this is that he's wearing this robe but like uh-huh. what are the odds he's not wearing a brown and beige tunic <laughs> that he literally always wears <laughs> under that yeah i'm a hundred percent certain he was like i'm wearing a lot of brown in an interview so he's got the brown boots the brown pants and obi-wan has sh- an outfit yeah he's it's got an like, outfit and it's but- under there it's exciting. You don't understand, Dan. You you guys deal with leaks all the time. It's exciting to see. Like, he hasn't been in this role since 2005. So it's like, oh, oh my no. gosh, he's back. I, I'm objecting to the robe is my oh. objection. Like, what's the point? Like, we all know what Obi-Wan wears. But okay, I think, honestly, I think it might be more logistics Hollywood-wise to cover up, you know, the cost. Like, so maybe, maybe you don't get it, dirt yeah. and debris on it. You know, someone's got cigarette ash. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's Hayden really... Christensen, just like like a <laughs> chimney on there. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool to see. They also had a random stormtrooper on set, which um, Ian McGregor had also talked about. He's like, yeah, I never worked with stormtroopers before. So, Ooh, you know, because he, he was always, accent. you know, in... In the Clone Wars, they're dealing with clones. So now we are in the Empire era. Um, but the most interesting one was um, Indira Varma, who... Now, what what character does she play on Game of Thrones? I have it here. It's uh, Ilaria Sand. Is that correct? She did play Ilaria Sand on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Indira Varma. <laughs> I did my research. <laughs> exactly. The, uh, the vengeful lover of Oberyn Martell, who came to uh-huh. a bad end... Wasn't very loved on the show. She had a great ending scene where, remember when Cersei locked her in a dungeon and then uh, 
Oh yeah. Uh, poison kissed oh. her daughter and then left her to watch her die. That, oh, that, that was a scene. That was pretty good. <laughs> that was a scene. So that's her, right? I always get that little reminder. Um, and it was She's weird good. because they never Disney excluded her from their announcement of they were like, here's all the people. There's Tim Christensen and I think Kumail Nanjiani. I thought she was on or, there. I swear she was not. Maybe. Okay. But they broke people. I know Deadline broke the news for sure because they were like, hey, she's also going to be in this series. Um, and, you know, of course, they're never going to be like, here's her character. But now it's oh, like, yeah. oh, she's an Imperial officer. That's Supposedly, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting to see. We've got like Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's on Tatooine, but he's also, I guess, outrunning the law, you know, outrunning the Empire, outrunning sure. his old buddy Darth exile. Vader. <laughs> So, does this get you excited for, you know, the wonderful world of Star Wars, Dan? Yeah, yeah, I'll watch this. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Yeah, I mean, you know, you and McGregor, I saw, by the way, Christian, when you say that, um, okay, I was wondering, he was wondering how they explain the rapid aging of one Kenobi. Isn't this about right, though? Because this is after the prequels are over and before A New Hope. And in A New Hope, he's Alec Guinness, like, old. And you mm-hmm. and McGregor's like, about... At, at, I think he's about the right age to like play this kind of middle-aged yeah. uh cave squatting <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think maybe like a it little is. older, but I I think, I, I, I think one, it's about right. Cuz it's like years later. But it's only like 10, maximum 10, I think. But wasn't like in um Revenge of the Sith he was playing older than he was? Cuz like those movies take place over a while yeah. too cuz like, you know, Jake Lloyd grows into Hayden Christensen yeah. and then gets a scar, so like so like eight, so like years pass in those things. I still I think say, it's. I think it's about the right age. I don't know because it's like okay, he's this, and then let's say given another ten years, he has to turn into Alec Guinness. <laughs> to me, timeline wise, it doesn't add up. But again, you just kind of have to suspend, you know, that disbelief and just go with it. Well, you know, you and McGregor's like I'm gonna guess like fifty or something. You know, I'm looking up right he, now really quick. Is exactly fifty. I am so yeah. good. Yeah. Like 50 or something. And, you know, like a 2021 50 is like um, a 1979 35. So when yeah, Alec Guinness was playing it, he was probably like 60 or something, but he looked 80. <laughs> it's a whole thing. I think it yeah. works is what I'm saying. I, I, I'm not too concerned about that part. But yeah, I'll watch it. Um, I thought he was one of the better parts of those Pico movies. I thought he came out of it pretty unscathed. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the only one who came out of it pretty unscathed. And um, he's good. It's a short series. You know, I like Indira Varma. I, I, I mean, I want to see Hayden Christensen and Obi-Wan Kenobi cross swords again. That'd be fun. So, yeah, I'll watch it. I'm not terribly offended by this one. It doesn't seem it does seem like there's like it's a target. Like, it's not just something they're going to just try to make out of thin air and just force on it because it's Star Wars. and need something to fill this content slot. Exactly. Um, yeah. It seems like there could be a good story to tell here. Although, did you hear the rumor um, a while back that this show was going forward, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, and then they, like, kind of shut it down for a while because it wasn't working, like, and it, there is stuff with, with Hugh McGregor saying this, like, the scripts weren't working, that they hired a new writer, like, they just kind of rethought everything, because apparently it was too close to the Mandalorian, it was like Obi with with baby Luke, oh, no. just, like, going around <laughs> having adventures, which, oh, and by the way... The Bad Batch, too, I know th- is all about, like, these kind of gruff clones and then this, like, little moppet, like, child mm-hmm. 
like I think Disney is leaning pretty hard on the um like the kind of uh jaded uh, b- badass older person and then like who forms a bond with like a cute young thing who, who, yeah. who doesn't learn about love that way like it's <laughs> it's cute the once with Mandalorian and baby Yoda but it it, it can outwear its welcome yeah you can only pull that gag so many times and while I think it might have been interesting I think I would really only want like a like small little scene with Luke Skywalker where you know you're like oh that's him and then mm-hmm. you kind of move on and let us see the rest of it. We've seen enough of the Luke Skywalker and I say this as a Star Wars fan. So yeah, that's my two cents. <laughs> see him dirt farmer from afar. By the way, quick comparison sidebar: when I was young and I saw Star Wars, I thought like dirt farming literally meant like farming dirt. And I was like, why would they do that? That seems like there's no prop like. Uh, money in that but no it means like bad land that you're farming and now i know that and we just but look is a moisture farmer oh he is isn't he <laughs> the dirt isn't Wait, that's that stupid dune? too what do you mean moisture farming well you know he's from the the bad moisture part of the town ta- i don't know <laughs> it's from the dune knockoff planet exactly 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 but yeah so but yeah, exciting happening. times it'll come out sometime you know 2022 it looks like and um Cool. Yeah, yeah I'll I watch guess. it. It looks good. I, I assume you're looking forward to it. Julie will pass. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Listen to each their own. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you watch anything but, else over the weekend, Mia? Because there were yes. some cool releases coming out. Not necessarily sci-fi fantasy, but some yeah. fun stuff. Let's see. Which one do we want to talk about first? I want to actually deep dive into Loki. Can we go into Loki? We can. First? Yeah. Loki aired this morning. Second episode. Uh-huh. A good time. Yeah. You go first. Okay, I was going to have that be our breakout topic, and then I was like, oh, we've got a lot of stuff in the show, but I still want to really, really talk about it. I watched okay, this okay. episode three times now. Did you? <laughs> I watched it once on, you know, the preview week. I watched it again when it aired last night, and then I happened to put it on again today, kind of like in the background and just having my attention, you know. Um, yeah, and I feel like I always have to preface this. I am so biased towards Loki, that it hurts. <laughs> so I think that's kind of why. He has a fandom. He has a fan club, I think, Loki. Yeah, I was like, I think that's why I'm just kind of putting this on. It's, you know, you hit the play button. It's giving you that serotonin boost and you can go on about your day. <laughs> Bam. Um, but no, I really, this episode was different in a lot of ways because um, the first one was a lot of setup. It was kind of slow paced, a lot of talking. This one also had a lot of talking, but. I think for the Marvel fans who are like, ooh, I want to see some, you know, Bam and some Pow and all that, you get a lot more of that actiony stuff. You get a lot more of that high suspense, high octane stuff. Um, still an- I didn't like the holding out for a hero soundtrack over that first fight scene, if only because I said, like, weirdly, like, it was in that He Man trailer. It was in that Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy game. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> what does Bonnie Tyler have on these people? Yeah. Like I love yeah. the song, but it was just like this is bizarre. This showing up like yeah, everywhere it was an all at once. That was an interesting choice. Um, and there was no reason for it. I'm sorry, I didn't. Really, I didn't really like that. Yeah, I yeah. No, I definitely they were in the eighties, weren't they? They were in the eighties at the at the Renaissance Fair, which was cute, I by guess. the way. That bit where yeah. it's like they like pan up to like a medieval place, and then they're like mm-hmm. 1980 Renaissance Fair. Okay, yeah. that's funny. 
<laughs> I was like, I bet this is a Ren Fair and they're going to subvert our expectations. Boom, I got that right. Um, but I do like how, you know, they had a lot more humor. My favorite, favorite scene is just when they, you know, they're going to test now these timelines and, you know, where is this Loki hiding and why is this happening? And then they go to Pompeii and Loki starts, you know, causing chaos cute. and he's releasing the goats and he's telling everyone they're going to die in Latin. I really, really love that scene. I could probably watch that as a YouTube clip over and over and over. That was um, great. I mean, I really enjoy just... I, I was reading today that the guy who runs Loki is a Rick and Morty writer. And mm-hmm. you can definitely kind of see some yeah. of um, the... Uh, how do I say it? The, like, kind of... The, 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 un, the creativity behind that show and just kind of wanting to make these esoteric references. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, it was definitely fun that they went back... For, like, a nerdy guy like me, like, going back to Pompeii to yeah i'm sorry because you might have plug your ears for this part we'll yeah, try yeah, to avoid the big spoil. big spoiler although no we aren't we're gonna spoil that yeah. apparently <laughs> um I, I definitely appreciate it just like you know an esoteric reference like that like, like a historical mm-hmm. reference that's not that obscure but still fun yeah. to yeah. play with and also the bleakness of it like they're all gonna die and loki's like having a great time yeah. like that's fun yeah, <laughs> yeah. um uh, it's funny you we were talking about my brother was texting me as he was watching it and he was like talking about how they have all these lo- different Lokis and they were showing them off today. My brother right, was like, okay. oh, I would love to see an episode where he goes to like the Citadel of Lokis and he has to be judged for his <laughs> crimes. I was like, did you know that the head writer for this came from Rick and Morty? And he was like, oh my God, you have to be kidding me. <laughs> so, oh, it's so, yeah, it's it, so all over it. The it whole like the giant time bureaucracy thing is very much yeah. something that Rick would want to tear down Rick and Morty. I can definitely see it. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I like this. I love the, these little undertones of sci-fi as well, just with the mm-hmm. soundtrack. And it's also giving me Doctor Who sort of vibes, especially now that, and this is like the big spoiler, you know, we're hunting this Loki who turns out to be a female version of Loki. I've seen some theories where people are saying, what if it's not like the actual lady Loki, though? Um, this is Sophia DiMartino. She was mm-hmm. excluded from press. She had to keep her, you know, uh, role completely quiet and under wraps. We all knew, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I know she's going to be playing some sort of version of Loki. They've kept her out of the press. I know what's going on. Um, but I've seen in some of the Twitter conversation today that they think she might actually be um, Enchantress because, A, she has blonde hair. Lady Loki, I've seen, has black hair. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about the horns that match up to the comic book. And in the um, the foreign credits someone has her character listed as Sylvie um, f- and that's the name of the Enchantress in one of the comic books so it's like oh that's very interesting I'm gonna hope that's Mephisto theory nonsense that we just get a good story about a Loki female variant but we'll, we'll see it would be interesting though because it's like she's supposed to have been trained by Loki so she's got kind of all of his you know things she makes that one offline where he's like oh so it's Loki and she's like oh don't call me that um, you know and she has this kind of attitude about it and he just when he sees her he just says right so it's like maybe he does know mm. this is Enchantress and that he trained her and that I don't know I have so there's a lot of things swirling in my head right now <laughs> I mean 
with this series, I, I guess I'd go along if there was a bunch more twists because that kind of seems like the nature of it. It mm-hmm. is extremely sci-fi and it is extremely out there, and it, it, it it's a good show to kind of throw things at the wall and see what sticks because it, the concept yeah. is so wild and crazy. You can get away with a lot. Like I yeah. was getting like Brazil vibes from like w- w- with a Terry Gilliam movie from like the eighties, where um he's in like the giant library and just like trying to research um like basically all the information in the universe is at his fingertips <laughs> that was very cool i i loved his little light bulb moment because those are hard to pull off you know especially in this context where you would convince us that he can have some kind of insight that is useful to all powerful time traveling you know immortal bureaucrats yeah and i think they did like they had the like the He's hiding in apocalypses. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's pretty clever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I, I still have a lot of questions like, you know, okay, well, why is this, you know, version of Loki trying to bomb the timelines? How much of this is going to, like, bleed over into Doctor Strange or whatever, you know, we might have set up with WandaVision? Cause, you There's know, a lot of alternate universe stuff going stuff. on, isn't there? Yeah. It seems kind of weird, though, because Falcon and Winter Soldier had, like, nothing to do with mm-hmm. Doctor Strange. <laughs> so, it's kind of like... What was the purpose? Of, no, I get the purpose of Falcon Winter Soldier, what? but <laughs> <laughs> not everything but no, has I, to be related to the next alternate universe bit. I suppose, yeah, but I I had just been kind of overthinking. I actually think I want this to be like our July Wick topic to kind of do a deep dive into the I call the first wave of Marvel television. So okay. I don't have to keep rambling off here because I I can and I will, Dan. Um, spoiler alert, I'm thinking of for June now doing copyright law, but we'll see. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're the lawyer, so I will, I took a, a communications law class, so maybe I can dig up some of that stuff as well. Uh, it'd mostly be me to just screaming about how Disney ruined everything, I'm guessing, but, but, but we'll see about that, too. Um, wow. but yeah, I liked it, I'm intrigued to see more. I don't know, I, <laughs> the problems I had with the first two Marvel shows is that they both... I thought got too hung up in the end on setting up the next part of the MCU Mm. and just like talking about like, who is Lady Loki? Like she's, she's appeared for like three seconds. Why don't we just let her have like her (laughs) own arc first? And then if she wants to go somewhere, she can, or there's some kind of thing we don't know about. I'm going to put this in our notes because I want to have this conversation this week, this month we can do the law next month i might want to really have this conversation about like the I'm first wave we'll do and, like, how do we it, it might be too hard so, <laughs> oh. so we'll see what happens <laughs> okay but, but yeah, no, i'm so, gonna write that down because i am curious to you know after this all pans out like how do these three television shows stack up to one another and you know what does so that far, mean going forward what do we i will say that so far I, I'm, I'm enjoying loki the most um i yeah. think it's the most fun i think it's got the most cool ideas i think i, I and i love the chemistry between um Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston. I think it's really, really good. Yeah. And, like, again, you need something to ground that. Um, to, like, ground this out-there sci-fi show. And just, I love, like, them talking at the lunch table and yeah. going over books. I think it's really, it's a great counterpoint to the crazy wild stuff happening. Just a really good show all around. And I hope they don't, you know, kind of just, like, kind of, like, you know, fade out or, like, yeah, sort of, like, whimper out with... An attempt to just kind of uh, expand it 
and make it bigger than it can uh, sustain, like the other two kind of did. Yeah. But we'll see, won't we? There are four yeah, left. July 14th is the finale. Um, I think we also both watched um, In the Heights. Not a, not. It's kind of sci-fi. People don't just break into song <laughs> uh, on the street. Well, yeah, Lin-Manuel Miranda, he's pretty popular. So I, f- I just want to kind of share my thoughts with this, which... I originally wasn't going to watch it. I kind of, I was having a Harry Potter movie marathon over the weekend, but mm-hmm. I sitting down for dinner, I was like, everybody's talking about this movie, so I'll see it. Yeah, um, yeah Anthony Ramos was in the lead. He He's really like a Lin-Manuel Miranda Jr. Um, oh, yeah. In this. It's, and if you're familiar with Hamilton, which i Like, I've you get the idea Hamilton that Lin-Manuel Miranda was, like, in the casting room and, like, no, too tall, no, too short. Yeah. Oh, that one looks like me. Or like if I was Sounds like him handsomer, too. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. At the beginning, it was a little cringy to me because it yeah. sounded so much like Hamilton. Yes. I'm like, this one came first technically, so I get it. But I was like, does Lin Manuel Miranda not have like any more flexibility or style? <laughs> <laughs> but as it went on, there was a lot. I enjoyed the numbers a little bit better. They had a lot of emotional scenes and it was kind of, it was fun. It gave me something to do. So I was like, okay, you know, it's a decent, decent movie. Musicals are kind of like animation. There is a bit of a, like a barrier sometimes to cross where you have to like, just kind of sink into why are they all singing? Like, it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Um, And I I was kind of like you. Yeah. At first I was like, "Mm, this feels a little dumb and dorky. Um, but after you get into it and, um, and I, and I, 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 I did get into it. I was mm-hmm. sympathetic to the, the, the girl who was the first to go to college. She didn't fit in. Aww, I was like, oh, yeah. I hope you make it. That yeah. kind of thing. I like the Pacienza <laughs> Ife number. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, the pool choreography, like the, that who's was great, that? Yeah. Esther Williams is really fun. Uh, that kind of thing. I, I gotta say, okay, I, I'm going to reveal how square and white I am. Like, I saw Hamilton too. For both Hamilton and this, I greatly, not greatly, I definitely preferred the singing parts to the rapping parts. I don't know. No, I just, I agree with you. I think his Lin Manuel Miranda's rapping style is a little cheesy. And again, it's the same. That could be any song. The son of a Dominican. Yeah, it just, it never. Like, I liked some of the songs. Like, I remember some mm-hmm. of the songs. I don't know why, but the rap... And, and, and again, for, for Hamilton 2, I saw Hamilton on stage, and I, and I liked it. But yeah. I liked the second half more when they stopped freaking rapping, and they started to sing songs. <laughs> yeah, he'll need a consultant. And I know this movie technically isn't perfect, too. There's been a lot of kind of controversy about, yeah. you know, the casting. And, you know, it's predominantly Latino, Hispanic cast supposed to be you know people from those cultures from the caribbean as well kind of came under fire you know for having a little bit of a colorism problem where you know if you have someone from the dominican republic for example or from puerto rico or any of those places you know you have darker skinned people you have lighter skinned people this aired on having lighter skinned people so came Mm -hmm. under fire for that um i just wanted to bring that i didn't want to comment on that i was like this movie isn't perfect you know we can always strive to do better but at the bare minimum it was you know a good movie it did have a diversity in some sense and i'd probably watch it again at some point i enjoyed it i mean I think I brought this up before, and this is to, for all you watching too. It's it's it, it amazes me how long it takes musicals to get to the screen, 
Like, I mean, it's not a joke. It's just bizarre. Yeah. Like, In the Heights has been around for... And In the Heights isn't that big. It's like, it wasn't like a giant hit. Like, how in the world do we not have, like, a Book of Mormon movie, a Wicked movie, a Hamilton movie? How? How? How did it take 30 years to get that piece of crap Cats up on screen? (laughs) Like, how did it take 25 to get Phantom of the Opera? Like these. Dear Evan mm-hmm. Hansen, that one came out like Lickety yeah, Split. That's true. And I hate it because I want Wicket before I want Dear Evan Hansen. I don't know what <laughs> Universal has going on, but I, I rest my case. I mean, like, and for, for like those two, for like Phantom and Cats, like, we have always like long after those crazes had died out, yeah. like decades after those crazes yeah. had died out. It just, it's, it, the, the, the pipeline was really, really, really slow. I imagine if there's like rights or something and they don't want to give up, I, I'm going to guess. That the people who have the rights to these musicals don't give them the screen rights because they they think they'll cut into like the ticket sales on Broadway or something. That's gotta be it. Because yeah, otherwise, maybe. there's just so much money to be made from a Hamilton or a Book of Mormon or a Wicked musical movie yeah. that just it, the, the fact they don't exist. Someone's putting their thumb on the scale. There's yeah. no other explanation yeah. for it. Nicole says, "I would definitely watch a Wicked movie. Never seen it. I will live stream singing the whole entire thing. I don't even need the lyrics." I'll just do the whole thing, <laughs> defying gravity at all. So maybe just that'll just the be the next show. Just get in the car, the cast recording, yeah. just blast it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll perform it all for you, but... They're making okay, a Follies you know. musical. I'll, I'll definitely see that. Um, and that's from the freaking 70s, too. But I mean, yeah. that was never a giant hit or anything. Musical. I like musicals. I'm a fan of musicals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like, the, the, like people struggle with them, though. Like, they, they haven't... There's, like, people don't quite know all the time how to direct a movie musical well it seems like there's a lot of traps that fall into but mm-hmm. um things like this can only be for the good so good mm-hmm. into the heights good on you into the heights you were you were decent <laughs> yeah we remember you well yeah anything else you want to talk about mia anything else any of you want to talk about anything else you guys are watching out there let us know in the next couple yeah. of seconds before we wrap up yeah, nothing else. Wicked Christian says Wicked should definitely be a movie by now. I agree. It's bizarre that it isn't. Final word. All right. In that case, uh, thanks <laughs> for watching, everybody. We are available. Take the Black on iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are available for your listening pleasure. We are also on the Winter's Coming Facebook page and the Winter's Coming YouTube page every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Hope to see you there and have a lovely day or night, depending on where in the world you are. Goodbye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.